You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Welcome back to the SLC Punks Podcast. This is your host, Hanson James. And this is Milo and Hanson. Where were you when? They wanted to shoot it. And he does. Ben Simmons shoots the three. The fans want it. They're asking for it. And Ben Simmons is giving it to him. Joel Embiid comes on the court and gives him a big hug. That has got to feel good. Let's take a look at it again, shall we? Okay, fans are on their feet. Let me get what they want. <laughs> if I'm Ben, I'm saying, what's all the fuss about? This is what I do now. Leave me open. I'm going to make you pay. Money in the bank. I've been working. Anything is possible. <sighs> Man, can you imagine having your, like, we were going to Disneyland moments in a preseason game? I Can you just imagine? I kind of imagine the reaction to that would be the same thing as if I'd have made a three in the stars tryout. <laughs> that would have been the similar. Wow, he did this thing we didn't think he'd ever do. Wow. Oh, man, man. Good for him though. I mean, this is this is a really great thing. This is a really great thing. Now if just imagine if it would have really counted. Man. <laughs> would have been I mean, even better. Would have been even better. Can you imagine like three points, like a real three points, like it actually going on your stats, like real stats. Here's the thing. He's now hit a three in a game and it's not going to be on his stats. This is, ah, but Hey, Hey, but every, every Philadelphia 76ers fan is going to remember where they were when Ben Simmons hit a three over the Shinsu Sharks. Yeah, in preseason. Congrats. Welcome to man. welcome to 21st century basketball. Oh man. Uh so great. It's going to be awesome when he shoots like 8% from 3 for the rest of the year. So, um James, we've had preseason game. We've had a preseason game. We do. We've had preseason, we have practices, we have quotes, we got some things we got to see, although it's only one preseason game tomorrow. Well, we're recording this uh, today is Tuesday, so this will come out Wednesday. Um, so tonight there is a game. Uh, but Yes, tonight. I'm excited to watch, hopefully, Mike Conley. I think we saw that Dante Exum has been ruled out. They're just continuing to rehab him. And it looks like Emmanuel Moutier is out, but we don't have word on whether Mike Conley will play or anyone else. I personally just hope he is just because I am excited to watch him play. And I honestly just want to see what that starting lineup is. Uh, And so I guess we'll probably find out at any minute as you guys listen to this podcast. Any minute. In fact, we have some breaking. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't have any breaking news. Um, But uh, let's talk about what you liked from the first preseason game. There's not a lot to draw from because I think every – Every writer in the jazz uh, sphere, whether it was Tony Jones, Andy Larson, um, uh, uh, Ben Anderson, myself, uh, David, well, David Locke podcasted about it, but I just don't think that it, there wasn't a lot you could draw from my, by this. I'm meaning like, oh, wow, so-and-so is really going to take off this year. I'm not sure you, you could really extrapolate that from this game. I think you could see that certain people just looked way way better than their mbl counterpart 
I mean, there was one point in which Jerome Randall, who is uh, an MBL MVP, um, went rolling down the paint, ran into Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles didn't even move. He just like put his hand up, threw the ball down in a block. And then Jerome Randall kind of gave him like this look and Joe Ingles gave him a look back. Like, what are you going to do, man? Like what you would like, it was like almost a shrug. Like, are we really doing this? Like it's not even on my level, man. And it, it was like peak YMCA dad moment in a way. Where it's just like, what are you going to do? Like he didn't even move, didn't even have to shuffle. Uh, but it, that was kind of emblematic of the entire game where the other than the first like six to seven minutes where it was like, wow, are we really going to do this against the Adelaide 36ers again for the second year in a row where we just struggle against them for no apparent reason because no one's trying? It just looked like the Jazz knew they were way, way better. And despite not having Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert, they beat them by 50. Which is what they should do, obviously. I I guess there was a couple things that I saw that I made me happy uh one well i guess three things um the first was i was excited to watch Bojan, and i had watched you know a handful of games last season i he's one of those players that i kind of started watching because i knew he might be possible for the jazz in the offseason and that and when we got him it was just really exciting but i didn't realize how well he could run a pick and roll i thought i, I mean i guess i was just surprised to see him running plays a little bit and getting picks and then kind of initiating that way. I knew he could handle and go to the rim and things like that, Mm -hmm. but I kind of expected it to be kind of one of those things where it's like he receives the ball at the corner and if he's open, he takes it. If he's not, he kind of pump fakes and drives to the rim type thing. But he was like taking picks and initiating a pick and roll. And that was exciting to see. And it made a lot of sense because we, one of those first quotes we got from the beginning of training camp was like the first play in the, in training camp was Bojan lobbing it to Rudy Gobert. So yeah. yeah, And Rudy was like, yeah, I think we're getting along just fine. That was the first play. So, Mm -hmm. and so that was exciting to see, to see like Bojan kind of show. And I think the other thing that I liked with Bojan is because the game, I mean, they did win by 52, but you know, they started the game. It was a little bit closer than you would expect. And it looked like a team that was just kind of figuring things out. And I liked Boyan's demeanor he just looked like someone who you know he's like someone who shows up to a concert to a band they never seen but he was acting like he's known the band forever and uh you he just he was calm and it, i think the other team the other players on the team fed off of that like nigel williams goss who getting his first start ever was probably a little nervous and i think Boyan's demeanor helped him be calm and Boyan didn't even hit. I think he shot like thirty three percent from three, so he didn't even have a great yeah, night both shooting. Him and Joe shot thirty three percent. But it they wasn't were even the primary like, scores. Like they were, they were going to have the the attention of the defense on them. But still. and they and we won by fifty two. And so that was. I just liked his demeanor. He's obviously a weathered veteran that's going to come in and not be rattled. I mean, he's been in playoff games guarding LeBron. There's not a lot of things that Boyan hasn't seen. So that was just nice to see. That was my mm-hmm. one of my, the things I really liked. Yeah. I, I think um, w- one of the things that you could take away from this was just the way the Utah Jazz were playing. Uh, they were playing fast. They were v- playing very up-tempo. If, if this was a game last season, um, I would be tweeting, the Jazz need to slow this game down and get it within their pace. Mm-hmm. Um. Versus this year where it's just like, we're running. And that's and that's the difference of between having um, Derek Favor start the game. The Jazz would try to move into a more speedy uh, offense and in transition. But, the, but they always had like two different identities, uh, three actually, that they'd run through. Their first identity was with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert out there. So they weren't really running as much uh, because if you ran, then... Uh, you didn't really. You only had two shooters mm-hmm. and three guys who were just really going to get down there. Um, so you're more really trying to run your sets. Uh, the second one was when Jay Crowder would come in for Derek Favors, and then you'd have 
it always had this feeling of like you wanted them to run, but because the the initial starters were just so used to the way they were playing with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, it was like trying to shift them into another gear. It was hard to get them to go. And then you had your other one where you would have um, you would have Derek Favors out there as a five, and and it was a similar thing. And crazy enough, the one with Derek Favors at the five actually ran faster, but still was like this this slow going thing. But the entire game, the Jazz were just moving, so that did show in the turnovers. There was an increase in turnovers. Um. That needs to get taken care of, but I think that's a bit of uh, unfamiliarity with each other. You have three guys who are out, who are normally starters, and who are projected to be stars, not normally because they haven't played together. And then they're they're playing faster. That's going to happen when you play faster. There's going to be more mistakes had, but you're going to have more opportunities to to score. And that's kind of been the missing component with Utah's really great defense in the past is you have this amazing defense, you get the defensive rebound and then you're not just like punishing them as quickly as you can. So you're losing a, a, an opportunity while the defense is unsettled. So that's going to be something Utah's going to be able to take advantage of. The other thing that I really like scheme wise was the spacing. And that was apparent from the get go. Like every single time they, they were running a pick and roll and dumping it down to Ed Davis. I was like, look at like the, floor is just spread ed davis is the only dude down there with the ball and i wrote this in the recap i said i totally think that rudy gobert is going to have way more assists than i anticipated or he's going to have more assist opportunities i shouldn't say he's going to have more assists but he's going to have more assist opportunities or more hockey assists as they rotate that ball and get it to the open man if he that's going to be key to utah's Utah's offense this upcoming season is how much does how much can Rudy Gobert improve as a passer uh, when he um, when he has that advantage um, and the spacing down there because they have to decide whether they want to collapse and they were deciding to collapse on Ed Davis and there I think I believe their their idea was let's try to make Ed Davis make a bad decision through the kickout instead of letting him bully a smaller guy at the rim. It's going to be interesting to see what teams decide to do with Rudy Gobert in that same situation, someone who can convert much better at the rim. And when you have Boyan and Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley or Royce O'Neal out there, that's going to be a really big, uh, a really big thing um, for the Utah Jazz. Oh, well, you kind of touched on two things uh, that I – I mean, I completely agree. The spacing was just, I mean, we're just not used to it. I like, No, no just it would look not... weird. It, like the way I looked at it, I, I kept thinking, man, these guys just don't know their defensive sets. And then, you, then you're realizing, oh, no, they, they know exactly. Because if you saw that last year, your initial thought was, dude, guys, Rubio's not going to light it up on you. I mean, yeah, well, thank, I mean you, thank you for guarding him close, but you're really doing too much. Well, we kind of just saw the difference between uh, having, you know, a, it's when you got guys on the floor that can hit shots, it's just mm-hmm. different because yeah. those guys have, I mean, a bad shooting night with good shooters is just, it's just an anomaly. But when you have shooters like Conley and Mitchell and, and Boyan and Joe and all these guys on the floor, they will always right. have to be honest with you with last season. They didn't. And so the spacing wasn't there. And so we saw the game start and honestly, the shooting wasn't good that game. Like most of the guys no, on the team, not. like it was not at all. Boyan didn't have his typical good shooting night. Joe, uh, J- uh, George Niang didn't have a good shooting night. No one could really hit a shot, but because they're all bona fide shooters, they still got that spacing and they won by 52 because they could drive to the rim. I think, I, I mean, we mentioned Rudy Gobert and you think about the spacing on the floor. Rudy, Rudy might just absolutely dominate the league next year. When has Rudy had spacing like this with shooters that can knock it down? Like, I can't remember the last time. I mean, honestly, he, I mean, I Jake, he's never had that. Well, yeah, even Jay Crowder, they used to leave alone last year because it was like, well, if the worst thing they can do is give it to a 30% three-point shooter, then then we win. Uh, 
when when Rudy's on the floor with that and you have a spread floor and you've got Donovan or mm-hmm. Joe or and and now apparently Bojan that can just run a pick and roll with Rudy. Oh my gosh. Rudy is going to just absolutely feast. He might shoot 75% for the season. Who knows? Like it it's really like the prospect is is insane. And so that's why I'm just like really excited to see Mike Conley get his first pick and roll with Rudy Gobert and just see what that looks like. My guess is that it looks like, you know, the best cinnamon toast crunch you've ever eaten or something like that. Like it looks, it's going to be freaking amazing and I cannot wait. And, you know, I want to see Donovan getting this spacing too. Like that game, Donovan would have just had three dunks, you know? And yeah. And I think, and on top of that spacing, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit is just the speed of the game was nice. The Jazz Mm -hmm. just, there was a lot of things in that game because it was very clear that all the players haven't quite figured out everything yet. And I, and some of that might've been because it was a lineup that you'll never see like Nigel Williams, Goss starting alongside Bojan and Joe, like we might not. It's it's hard to know if the pacing is going to be that fast or it's going to be a bit more calculating with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell out there, Mm -hmm. but, but, but but it's going to be faster. But what, faster. Well, what we did see is because the talent on the floor is so cohesive, it like they figured it out. It was not very hard for them after a little bit. They're like, oh, okay. And they were able to just mm-hmm. generate baskets. But what happens when you have your best players on the floor? They'll have that spacing and then they'll be able to play with that speed like they did in this game. I mean, Mieoni looked really, really good to me. And part of what made him look so good was because he was able to just go and transition. Uh, Jeff Green looked really solid and some of that was just his like he's I think Jeff Green scored the first four or five points and one of it was just uh from a transition dunk he got and the Jazz are gonna get a lot more this year yeah he is Jeff is here just run and go Donovan run go uh it's very very exciting that second unit for Utah might like last year I remember we talked about this where we I think we like we're looking at preseason and thinking about like oh you know when Dante Exum's on the floor and our backup players are on the floor, they can just run and go. And it never really happened. And some of that's injury and some of that's just, you know, it's better to slow down when you have Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. This is the season we might actually see it because we saw the first game. They just ran. And when there was an easy bucket to be had, they went and got it. And the Jazz have personnel to do it now. Yeah. And I think what's going to be interesting about that second unit, uh, now that you bring that up is, Joe Ingles is going to be the point guard of that second unit. Andy Larson has talked about this. We've talked about this before. I've wrote a couple. I, I've written a couple posts about uh, the Utah Jazz's four battle. You know, battle for the four spot. And uh, one of those was Dante Exum playing the four. And it was it was more of like a wow. Did you just hit the mic, man? You just like attacked me. Oh, sorry. I grabbed my uh, Diet Mountain Dew cup, and the straw knocked the microphone. <laughs> no no you always when you can diet do you do that's right this podcast powered by diet mountain dew powered by diet mountain dew um but i i feel like what is so special about utah's bench this year versus last year is you have guys who want to run but you also have um you also have really strong veteran presence coming from the bench like, think about last year, the guys that you have coming off the bench. Um, you, you know, you're talking about Hal Neto, Dante Exum, uh, Royce O'Neal. Um, Jay Crowder is is the most veteran out of that. And, and, and Epe Udo, who he's a veteran, but not necessarily like he's been, he's been plugging away in the NBA for these past nine or 10 years, you know, he's been in, in EuroLeague. He, he flamed out first, came, got, worked on his game, got much better, uh, much more refined, came back and is able to carve out, carve out a niche. But this year now you have Ed Davis, who on some NBA teams is starting. Like, oh, if, yeah. if Ed Davis, if he's, if he's with Golden State, he's a starter. Right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. If he's if he's with the Lakers, he's the starter, and, and with the Utah Jazz, he's the backup. With Jeff Green, on, once again, on some NBA teams, he's starting. Um, and 
now you have Joe Ingles with a ton of NBA experience who's known, who's just a really good player and, and will st- would start on, I would say, half of NBA teams. Joe Ingles would start, if not more. Oh, I would say um, easily. Easily. Yeah, either uh, at any, but at either wing spot, either at shooting guard or small forward. So, um, and he's going to be coming off the bench most likely to to take some miles off those legs and keep keep him as efficient as possible throughout the contract and this year. Um, and then you, then your guards are two really hungry young guards in Dante Exum and Emmanuel Mudiay. And if you're worried, well, I mean. Those are some young young playmakers. I'm kind of worried about you know the ball being in their hands at all times. Well, not to worry. It's gonna Joe Ingles is gonna be your point guard, and as you watched Australia, that's a really good combination. Mm-hmm. That's a really good. That's a really good thing to have. And one thing that is so so jarring for me was seeing Jeff Green grab the rebound bring the ball down court like at a frenetic pace and then start to initiate the offense. And it was there where I was like, this is what Dante Exum was talking about in practice when he said, I've played one, I've played two, I've played three, I've played four. Um, because the Utah Jazz are trying to hide where the tip of the spear is on every single play. And so now, now – when whoever's bringing the ball up and is initiating the offense and you're going, uh, if Jeff Green's bringing the ball down, that might mean Dante Exum is now the four, just depending on who picked him up mm-hmm. and how they're going to run it and, and, and just picking your spots. And so it's going to be, uh, and just the positioning, you know, where, where things are on the floor. So it's going to be insane to watch that. And, uh, we, you, you and I, before we started the podcast, we were kind of talking about this. Are we getting duped by the Jeff Green experiment? Because this is kind of what happens with Jeff Green. He goes to a place. People are like, "Oh my gosh!" I didn't realize he was this athletic. He's a ball handler. Um, he can shoot like thirty three, you know, thirty three to thirty seven percent from three, depending, you know, on on the year. And and then you start to be this like, well, if we just throw more usage into him, maybe this guy. <laughs> maybe we're going to be the ones um, not left at the altar when he runs. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's 32 by all, by all means he's, he is what, who he is. But at the same time, the Utah jazz are a system or our development place where sometimes that doesn't, that, that logic does not apply as we know from players like Joe Ingles who have been able to find more of their game as, as time goes on or George Hill, where he had a bit of a Renaissance later on. And so it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see what could possibly become of, of Jeff Green. Well, he definitely, he's definitely going to be put in the best position to succeed. And, and that's the thing is like, that's so two players that I've just been surprised at their ability to handle is Jeff Green and Bojan. And so that's honestly, and you hit the nail on the head with this. No, you don't know where this offense is going. It's not your, it's not your dad's style of basketball where it's like you give it to the point guard and he dribbles it up and then he calls for the play. And then the picker, you know, it's, it's get the rebound and go like someone like George Niang, who looked like a point guard in that game. He was facilitating like crazy, uh, Royce O'Neal has six assists. Royce O'Neal had six assists, and I would say he's probably not quite. He's probably one of the less good playmaking wings on the team, and he had six assists. So that tells you a lot had, about the system. He had a really good game. He was another guy where I was like, he just looks. There's a certain thing where sometimes a player just has a good game in preseason, and and there's no way they could replicate that effort. Like if you put him in the same situation, it. It, you know, some like 17th man who's going to end up as a two-way player or cut versus like when Royce O'Neal checked in from the bench, it was just the Jazz just went on, I, I believe it was a 26 to three run. Mm-hmm. To, and so, and, and, and Royce O'Neal was the reason for that. 
Oh, he absolutely so. impacted the game like crazy. Like he, and he looked like a better Everywhere. ball handler. He looked like a better, like he just looked more comfortable. He looked more like, you know, he knew he belonged there. He's not as, you know, worried yeah, about making a mistake. He and looked, the minute he checked in, he was guarding Jerome uh, Randall, their best player, and just shut him down. It, like Jerome Randall was trying to get some, uh, get some buckets, and then they put Royce out there, and they're like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, 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 we ain't doing this tonight. We ain't, we, we're not playing like this." And mm-hmm. he stopped him. He, he just absolutely yeah, yeah, stoned yeah. him. And then, you know, he hit some shots. I, I know he hit at least one three. I can't remember all of his stats, but he just looked really, really solid. And, uh, you know, he looked great. I was really pleased with what we saw from Oni. He looked really good. He was passing the ball really mm-hmm. nicely. And then he was, um, he was, he's making good reads. Just overall, the whole team just moved the ball as the game went on. They just really, it was probably just a good game for them to get some of their jitters out and, uh, just get the ball moving and feel each other out a little more in a, in a game where you're feeling a little bit of pressure finally. And so that's good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the whole yeah. team just figured it out. And what happens if they don't shoot as badly as they did from three on Wednesday? Like they, it's that's the exciting part is what happens when their threes are falling at a high rate. It's uh, yeah. What, what happens? I, I think what's interesting, and um, I have a clip here. It's, it's Jeff Green. He's talking to um, he's talking to the Salt Lake Tribune and and a whole gaggle of 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 reporters about what what they've been asking him to do and when you're listening to him you can also sense that this is what they're asking basically everyone not named Gobert and Ed Davis and Tony Bradley to uh to do on every possession and just take a listen it's amazing I said it uh to Ed even during the uh the open practice that we had that you know the fans really come out here to support and they definitely showed it uh during the over practice in uh, first preseason, so that was the most fans I've ever played in front of for a preseason game. So I'm, I'm loving the energy. Does, does Coach um, encourage you to, to be able to want to initiate the offense, you know, push the transition, kind of initiate the offense? Uh, that's one of the many things he encouraged me to do. Um, you know, with the personnel that we have, we have a bunch of guys who can bring the ball to the floor and initiate the offense. So. You know, me as a versatile guy who can rebound and push it, uh, he expects that from me, and uh, you know, do my best to, you know, um, do a good job at, you know, doing that. So I think it'd be a, a good challenge. It'd be fun for me. So you know, looking forward to it. So so much movement on this team. A lot of teams believe you don't have that. How different is that for you? Just movement and movement. Just all the offensive actions. And... Uh, well, that's fun. We got guys who can score at any given moment, but you know, when you know our guys are all unselfish and we play for each other, it makes the game fun. Everybody's going to touch the ball, everybody's going to share the ball, and you know, we're happy for each other. And that's the biggest thing. You mentioned that. So, yeah, so uh, he touched on a few things there. He touched on uh, A, the movement. Um, the Jazz run that motion offense, and it, it is, it is uh, a bit of a blender. And they talk about always trying to add that advantage offense. And now they have players to be able to run that. And now just, he's like, he just has guys who can rebound and take the, take the ball down court. And he wants that. He wants people to initiate. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and he sounds like a guy that's actually enjoying things. Like he talked about how it's fun with all the, the movement and the actions, uh, him, you know, mentioning that initiating the offense. I mean, there's so many guys on this team that can initiate the offense and go. I mean, we might see a more faster paced team than we've ever seen because I think really what you when when you have talent like this, things get simpler in a lot of ways. Like you have guys like if there's an advantage to get a bucket, I mean the easiest way to create an advantage in advantage basketball is in transition. When there's only one defender and there's two of mm-hmm. you running up the court. I mean that's the essence of it is just get that easy bucket. Easy buckets are good offense. And so that he can do that. Uh, Oni, Royce O'Neal, Donovan, Mike Conley, all these guys can run and, and pass and, and, and finish at the rim. It's just exciting. There's just not a lot of, if anything, I honestly had a lot of questions answered. Uh, well, I don't even, if I came into that game, 
with that many questions, I was just curious to see what it looked like. And really what it looked like is what we had all expected. And there weren't any things that I was like, oh, whoa, boy. It wasn't like when we watched uh, Ennis Cantor playing defense for the Celtics and they couldn't stop anything. It was like, oh, boy, uh, Boyan can handle the ball. My goodness. Or, oh, my gosh, Jeff Green just stopped a transition play by catching a lob at the height of its peak. <laughs> like, we yeah, just saw there, some there's, crazy there's some things. Interesting things. Yeah, there's some interesting wrinkles where um, where these weren't possibilities last season. And, um, and so I, I think that opens it up. The Utah Jazz, they will play the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, if not, they played them last night and you know the result, but I think what, uh, what's going to be interesting about the matchup is, um, so far Giannis is, looks like he's going to be playing. And so Utah has a chance to put out their, you know, their, their main guys and just see, Hey, how do we stack up against an MVP and all-star caliber players? What do we have? What do we have here? And and what do we need to work on? And um, that would, that would be a really good, good scrimmage for them to to play those guys about 15, 15, 20 minutes and see what happens. Um, I, I still, I'm not sure if Mike Conley is going to play because they, they talked about, they're just kind of waiting to see what the trainers have to say. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I even wrote today, we might not see him for a little bit and that's totally okay. He's probably the last guy on this team that probably needs preseason to get all going. He's a smart, intelligent basketball player. He can quickly integrate himself in any team, any structure. Um, he's he's a great player who's a plug and play who can level up if he needs to be the man and be the superstar. He's a guy who can gear down if he needs to play make and get his guys involved. He's a perfect complementary player and star for the Utah Jazz. And so, um, if anything, I'm if they do start holding him, I could kind of see them holding him until they get back from these two preseason road trips, and then he has his debut in front of like when they played maybe the Portland Trailblazers or something when they play Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and have a good matchup there. But at the same time, if you have a chance to play Giannis and you can see how you guys do, you got to do it. You just got to do it. So, um, I, I just want to see him though. I want to see how, how Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell look in that backcourt. Yeah. And I just think I'm really excited about Absolutely. Like, I just want to see them play. I mean, I think, honestly, it'll just look really solid. (laughs) I just, you know, both of them will be able to handle the ball. And then you'll have multiple ball handlers. Like, Conley can take just some spot up threes that I don't know how much he was able to do. I haven't watched enough Memphis to know how much he did that there. But considering he was the best player on the team, I bet they wanted the ball in his hands as much as possible. And so there will be a lot of times where he might just be able to take the ball and just take a spot up three a lot of the time with how much yeah how much talent is on this team it's it's actually it's it's almost uh it's just a wealth of riches that the jazz have right now in terms of just talent and skill level all these guys and that that's the thing is the ball moved on offense when when the jazz were playing and they found simple uh easy shots they just weren't falling that game but we might also be just getting used to the fact that Utah is going to be protecting Conley all season. Uh, it's just, it's one of those yeah. things where like if he plays great, but the jazz are just going to be ultra protective of him all year because the goal for the jazz this season isn't to just get better. The jo- the goal for the jazz this season is to win a ring. And that's what they've all said. Jeff green mentioned that uh, it, you know, I want to see him play against the bucks because I'm selfish and I like watching them play, but, uh, man, it's, it's, it, the, we're in a, we're a championship team now. And so now we're kind of dealing with the things that championship level teams deal with resting players here and there. If they are even the slightest bit worried about Conley, they're going to, uh, rest on the side of caution, uh, games against the Adelaide 36ers don't matter that much. And so they're not going to, they're not going to risk injuring him, you know. Just Most preseason games don't matter that much. There's a reason the NBA has been like cut, trying to cut as many of these suckers as possible. Yeah, like the worst thing ever is if Mike Conley goes out there and gets hurt. So if the Jazz feel mm-hmm. like, oh, this, 
you know, he's got something that's just feeling not quite right. It doesn't matter. They're going to rest him. And I'm glad they do because I don't want to see him hurt. The worst thing ever is when you see a player hurt. And when you're in a team where like, you know, the jazz have all the pieces to, and they have as good a shot as anyone out there right now to win the title, they're going to err on the side of caution. So I, if I was betting, I'd say, I bet Mike Conley doesn't play tomorrow night, but you know what? Maybe he does. Either way, that's what we're going to deal with probably all season. I think that's going to be annoying for us writing game previews and wondering who plays and what, what yeah. not. But it's just very real if he only plays like 66 games. And so mm-hmm. that's just kind of, kind of how it be. Let's cut. We're going to cut for a quick commercial break. And then when we get back, we will answer the question Is Boyan worse than Derek Favors? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. And we're back. So, James, I got to ask you, is Boyan Bogdanovich worse than Derek Favors? Uh, the answer to that is no. Boyan is not worse than Derek Favors. Uh, I, <laughs> some of these questions, hey, guess what? It's time for the season to start because these types of questions make me want to pull, pull whatever hair left I have out <laughs> because it's just like, it's just, it's honestly, I, you know, uh, I'm a big Derek Favors fan, but Derek Favors is center, you know, Boyan right. Bogdanovich is a wing. So it's just different. Uh, if we want to talk about what the jazz needed more, I mean, honestly, that question was answered when, De- when Dennis Lindsay signed Boyan Bogdanovich instead of Derek Favors, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's the answer. If he was, I, I, I don't even think this is a debate. It's just the jazz needed shooting and they needed playmaking and they needed wing scoring. And that's what they got. They didn't have it last year. And guess what? We couldn't score against the Houston Rockets. And what happened in that series? We got, we got run out of the gym in game one and two, and they had to put in Jay Crowder. And that's how we won one of our games. That's your answer. The jazz had to have scoring. They had to have a be- player that fit better. And we are, and we're already seeing the fruits of that. Uh, right. th- there's no question. And, and we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast. They were, the Utah jazz ran three different ways. And, um, one of those was with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. And that one seemed to be very contractual. It seemed to feel as though when Derek Favors signed a contract with Utah Jazz, he knew he could become trade bait, which he did. Uh, we talked about this all last season. People were like, oh, no, you can't trade Derek Favors and blah, 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 blah. And, you, and you're not going to do it. And uh, yeah, is it, the contract was designed to get traded. And guess what? He did. Um to make room for Boyan Bogdanovich when he was signed in free agency. So if it, and so he was on the court, but it felt like it was like a contractual mandated. So he played at the four for a little bit. So he had minutes so he could hit certain metrics. So it would look good and blah, blah, blah. Um, and ego. I let's be frank. Like everyone, everyone wants to have their um, ego pet. And so that's just how it worked out. And the Utah Jazz played very slow. Uh, they did not play that, as you said, that ro- that rotation very often. It was for it was a very token, like three to four minutes to start the game, and then they didn't play again together. They weren't back together. It wasn't like the Utah Jazz's final lineup was ever Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. If anything, it was it, it was either Rudy Gobert or Derek Favors who was sitting on the bench to end the game, depending on who was rolling. So that lets you know that the Utah Jazz had two starting caliber fives. So if you're out there on the internet, like debating, well, you know, well, you lose Der- Derek Favors and you're putting in Boyan Bogdanovich in his place, then you're probably really confused because you think Boyan Bogdanovich is a center. That is, that is basically what your your idea is, and so um, with. 
with the Jazz now, when you're looking at them, you really have to compare same for same, and that's Boyan Bogdanovich and and um, uh, and Jay Crowder. If you have Boyan Bogdanovich and Jay Crowder, then you know, oh boy, you're all good, you're fine, you're de- you, it, like with Boyan Bogdanovich replacing with Jay Crowder, you actually get better offense. You get uh, much. Much, much, much better defense as well. Oh, wait, but I thought Jay Crowder was this really great defensive player. No, he was actually below average. If you even look at cleaning the glass, he was in lower percentile on a lot of defensive metrics. If you're looking at defensive box plus or minus, yeah, want to know why Jay Crowder is probably going to show better at defensive box plus or minus? Because he played with Rudy Gobert. The thing about Rudy Gobert is that he makes people look really, really good. One. Okay. Sorry guys. So we're picking up, you guys probably didn't hear anything. Um, but the problem was James dropped out. We had some technical difficulties. We're back. We're rolling. This hey, is, is so that natural. a bust on top of me? Because I, <laughs> I yeah, the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, Somebody, one of us has really good internet. The other one doesn't. I'm not going to point names. I'm not going to. I'm going to point point fingers here. I'm not going to name names. I'm just saying that one of us, you know, like just you know, could download a movie probably within this century. One of us can't. I'm not going. Not going to put anything out there, James. But the, but what we are saying, <laughs> but what we are saying is, what what. It is so it is so dumb to compare Boyan and and Derek Favors. The person that you should be comparing Boyan to is Jay Crowder, and Boyan is a better offensive player. He makes more shots, and because he makes more shots, he's not the Jazz's defense is going to have time to get back and get set. They're not going to have to be running back in transition. Those extra possessions are going to be key. And then the other thing, I am so sick of this Boyan Bogdanovich slander that he's a, a terrible defender. I hate how Twitter turns this into people are either trash or elite. And the problem is Boyan is neither. He's just good. Yeah, he's that's just it. Fine. He's fine. He's just fine. He's fine. And and the thing and. and if you're comparing Boyan with Jay Crowder and you're like, well, Jay Crowder, well, his box plus or minus was way better than this. Jay Crowder played with effing Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors at the center position all the dang time as a four. All the dang time. He had amazing, amazing people cleaning up his messes. So to, to really like hammer on that, you're missing a part of – how Rudy Gobert just is able to make people look really good on defense. Joe Ingles able to look a lot better on defense than than what he might be because of 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 Rudy Gobert. Uh, Jay Crowder was able to be the beneficiary of that. Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, every person who's played for the Utah Jazz has got to look better. Gordon Hayward, uh, it's it's a thing. And so to say that, well, you know, the Jazz defense isn't going to be as good. Is Rudy Gobert going to take on more responsibility this season? Oh, you betcha. He's going to be – he has a lot more pressure on him, and he's going to have a, a, a lot less um, leeway if Ed Davis isn't rolling. But there were some nights where Derek Favors didn't have it as well on the defensive end. This isn't this, isn't this thing where Derek Favors was – the constant stalwart always on that defensive end. Was he pretty consistent? Yes, but he's not always going to bring it. Ed Davis, likewise, is an offensive monster, and that's the dude you should be comparing him to. Like, that's the dude that you should be comparing Derek Favors to, not Boyan Bogdanovich, because Boyan Bogdanovich isn't here to play the five position. If you think he is, you need to get your head checked. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's just silly. It's just silly. It's let's start the season. How about that? Because now yeah. we can stop like talking about Derek Favors. Like I love Derek Favors. I hope they. Yeah, I, I do hope too. that we have a. It's going to be really cool to see him come back when he comes and plays the Jazz, and I hope the Jazz fans give him a huge applause because he's a big time part of our team history now. 
but now we are a new team. Now can we just focus on the team we're on and stop doing this like, oh, Ricky Rubio was actually amazing because, you know, this real plus minus looked really good when he was. I don't care. You know, let's see what happens with our new team. And there's a reason we let those guys go. There's a reason we signed these guys. The Jazz look like they have an identity. Uh, probably my final thought now, and we can probably end it here soon, is that the Jazz played a very consistent style throughout the entire game against Adelaide. Uh, and they're going to do the same thing when they play Milwaukee uh, against Adelaide. It was Ed Davis starting at center and then backing him up was Tony Bradley, who, by the way, looked pretty solid against Adelaide. Let's see how he does uh, later on. But I think we might be OK with Tony Bradley being our third center now. Uh, yeah. but, na- but now when Rudy Gum comes off, it's going to be Ed Davis and four wings. And that's how the Jazz play. And it's really exciting to have a very clear offensive identity. Yeah, I think that's the biggest key with this whole thing. You can't look at players in a vacuum because it's a really it's a team game, y'all. Um, if if you're saying, well, so and so, Ricky Rubio is a good player, for example. He is he's good in transition. He's a good playmaker, and he's a defensive pest. Um. If you have five shooters and, say, a five-man that uh, can shoot the ball out to the three-point line, a pick-and-pop guy like that, Ricky Rubio is a good point guard for that system. He's a slasher in that system. The problem is Ricky Rubio last year played with two plotting guys who cannot space the floor with uh, Favors and and Gobert for five, you know, for 10 minutes, 10 minutes of his game. Ricky Rubio was out there with guys who couldn't spread the floor. And then his, his he was out there with Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles. Who, uh, Donovan Mitchell is a, a slasher. And so what does that do to, to a team? It's just not the right fit. Likewise, with, with Derek Favors out there, it wasn't the right fit. You're not getting the best version of Derek Favors and you're not getting the best version of Ricky Rubio versus like you swapped him out and all of a sudden – with with the same money that was used for those two players, the Jazz now have Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, Mike Conley, and Ed Davis. Like, and, and now all of a sudden the pieces fit. You have guys who space the floor, who can handle the ball, who are uh, who are pick and pop players, and now your guy who you need to rim run in Rudy Gobert has a space. Now your slasher has space. It changes everything now. The pieces fit. And so this whole stupid thing when you're looking at comparing same for same, A, you need to make sure that you're comparing the right players. One, make sure your straw man argument isn't obviously a straw man. Two, remember that a lot of these defensive metrics, if you're going to spout them on the internet, they're really related to the people who are also on the court. So you need to pay attention to who is also on the court because even if you're spouting on-off metrics, on-off metrics also applies to who is on the court at the same time when that person got on and when they went off. And sometimes people are just paired with the with the right type of guy. And finally, if you think that Derek Favors is the better player than is better than Boyan Bogdanovich and you think that the Jazz are going to be worse with Boyan Bogdanovich out there oh my gosh if you're out there uh just in your head replace Derek Favors with Boyan Bogdanovich in Indiana when Victor Oladipo went down and just let me know how you think that team does and we out we're done because well, guess, they wouldn't have made the playoffs they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Like it's flat out. Like Derek Favors looks, and I've been watching him play uh, for for the Pelicans, and he looks pretty darn solid, like we expected. But you know what? He's not the the player that's going to turn around a, fa- a franchise. Bojan Bogdanovich carried a team into the playoffs. We watched Bojan destroy us twice with like last season. Boyan destroyed mm-hmm. us twice. We lost to Indiana like by 30 points one game and then 20 the next. And it was freaking Boyan Bogdanovich <laughs> destroying our hopes. So I, I don't know. We've seen it firsthand how good he is. And so I, I don't know. It's a dumb argument. 
but luckily he's the jazz he's on the jazz now and that makes me very happy and the jazz have shooting and they'll be able to shoot the lights out against anyone it's really exciting yeah we got we got a good season ahead of us and so with that i think we're going to be wrapping up here uh so last thing guys do you want to hang out with your favorite people on October 25th? Do you want to meet me, James Hansen, and Griff Dunk, and the rest of the awesome SLC Dunk staff? Do you want to hang out with Tavin, meet Caleb, you know, talk to Jason, get to meet the peeps, you know, one-on-one, see, how would you feel about that? What if we're eating wings too? James, what if we're eating wings? Um, best wings on the planet. I will best be- wings. That's why you got to show up to dunk night out October 25th. We're going to be watching the Lakers game. It is an away game. We're all going to be there. We're going to have some cool swag to give away. We have breaking tea t-shirts. We have purple mountain jerseys. We have a dare. We, dare we plug it? Do we, do we plug? We have a, the, we have a signed, tool? a signed George Niang first responders jersey from the stars signed yeah signed. it's america this is this is, this is a, a really unique jersey actually this is really awesome we also have some tickets for some stars games that we're going to give out we have we have some insane giveaways we also have drink specials wings and of course we're going to be able to watch the utah jazz take down the los angeles lakers so you of course you want to be there for this so uh Hit us, hit us up on Facebook. The event is there. You can RSVP. If you RSVP, you are reg- you are uh, put in for the raffle for a lot of these really cool prizes. We also have some just something for everyone. We have stickers to give out. So you can finally tell all your friends that uh, put it on your computer, put it on your car, put it on your child. There you go. Sticker. Just so everyone knows that you like SLC Dunk. I mean, James has stickers, SOC Dunk stickers on all his children's heads. <laughs> Guys, you better go. It's going to be freaking fun. And you might awesome. get some surprising uh, surprising people show up there. We'll see. Uh, but make sure you sign up if you want to win a jersey. Uh, get some, uh, get some uh, ticket vouchers for get Stars Game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's my favorite wing place in the world. It's the best. So. Guys, make sure you go sign up. Go to Facebook and sign up. Check it out. And as always, follow us on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out at slcdunk.com and subscribe to this. Man, if you listen to this and you're like, man, I really wish I got a notification for this, you can subscribe, man. Just hit that, just pound that subscribe button. Just check it out. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week after. Two different preseason games. Oh my goodness. Talk to you guys then. See ya. Bye.